Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are talking about the Bands of Mourning, chapters 8, 9, and 10, wherein Wax rescues Steris from falling off the train last chapter. They, uh, with a little help from Marisai, they managed to defeat the train robbery. Well, I, I guess several of them escaped, but it, it, it works out more or less. They find out what happened to Wayne, why he didn't show up the entire fight, and Marisai's a little bit unhappy about that. And then we get, we arrive at New Saran and uh, see a few interesting things, including the hotel. And there's, I, Dak was talking about last episode, there was like an Abbott and Costello almost routine, and I was like, this this section is the one that has the Abbott and Costello routine. It's hilarious and ridiculous. Uh, this, was, this, was, this was a Ben Stiller comedy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. Um, I am Data, and with me is Joe, Dak, and Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Revolution holds us bound. Come on down to London Town. Break your back for class and ground. Come on down to London Town. So yeah, some uh, some more action, some more interesting uh, comedic bits and other stuff, uh, some snogging as as they as they said even. So what did you guys think of the three chapters that we read? Oh man, the, the snogging was my favorite part. Uh, not really. <laughs> uh, no, uh, these were good chapters. The uh, the cliffhangers are always a little less exciting as far as the resolution to them than I would like, like the, him diving in after her and getting her back and then going back to the train. That was, that was a little less exciting. It also didn't seem, and I mean, maybe they describe it fine. It didn't seem very, it didn't seem very likely that he was going to be able to catch the train, but then they, I guess it doubled back, like going through the hill, it doubled back on itself or something. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I think it mentioned specifically that it's like, the train gets across, but then it has to go down a series of switchbacks on the other side of the river. Yeah, yeah. So like that was kind of like, I mean, really? Okay, whatever. But you know, it's wax. He's got to he's got to make it back to the train. Yeah, I had been wondering that there's obviously some kind of mastermind behind this. So we got this guy with the with the weird leg. That's that's interesting. And and from the very first description of him, said that he was leaning on a cane. I kept expecting it to be Wayne, like disguised. And like you know, when Marisai first came bad up, guy Wayne. Well, that, that's what I was. Don't don't step on my don't step on my thing, <laughs> Dak. Oh, but anyway, um, no, I was I was I was I was expecting him to like you know, clue Marisai in that he was actually pretending to be an old man, but that it actually turned out to be a guy that was with the bandits. I, I wasn't expecting that, so that was interesting. But then yes, then my theory because I thought it was Wayne was that this is like Bizarro Wayne from the future. And he's like, come back, and now he's a villain and stuff. Like, that was my – since I kept getting it confused and thinking it was Wayne, I thought that that may be what, what it was, uh, future Wayne. But uh, anyway, so we have that that portion, and then, yeah, them having them having sex or snogging or whatever you want to call it, you know, it's whatever. A mortal being with a human, you know, they're both, for all intents and purposes, they're both adults, I guess, so it doesn't matter. Two consenting adult creatures of some sort. So we've got that part. We also know that's not the first case of a chondra being intimate with a human, so obviously it's something that we knew could happen. 
potentially. And uh, so yeah, that that was that was what it was. But then them getting to New Saran, I I as as much as I actually enjoyed it, there's also a lot of portions in that chapter that I'm kind of like, okay, you just keep throwing us all these curveballs from different places. Like first first we're after the spike, and now we're after the bandits. And now now there's a third bandit that he knew out in the roughs that he might be after. And and maybe it's all connected, but probably it's not. And mm-hmm. it just it just seemed like it's confused here at what at what it wants to do at this point in the story like are we and, and maybe that's by design you know but i i was a little confused so as much as i liked it and then the routine in the hotel with the with the lady was pretty funny um but as much as i enjoyed it there these these chapters also i i would say had some kind of things that i might take issue with depending on what happens going forward in the book there were just certain things that i was kind of like not clicking with okay but oh, overall they were they were fine I like this idea that like uh, future Wayne has come back and he's evil. It's like the yeah. uh, it's like that recent movie that came out. Beep. If 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 you've seen it, you know what I mean. Oh, I get I get what you just did. <laughs> um, but the the guy in the suit with the cane does appear earlier, like talking, like Wax sees him talking to the big guy before he oh, gets okay. attacked by the big guy. We just didn't it, we didn't mention it in the last episode when we were going through. Yeah, then I must have completely missed that too. I was just like, why is she like this guy's just kind of hanging out? This is weird. But yeah, maybe he's the guy with the cubes, with all the cubes. She she did say he pulled it out. Yeah, just like maybe at can... the movie theater. Woo! <laughs> so yeah, my theory behind that is maybe he is a leecher and somehow he can put his power into the cubes. I don't know. Like you know, they were talking about being able to put your your investiture into stuff. Mm. So maybe that's what's going on here. The Borg. I got it. Sure. I am Lucutus of Borg. You will respond to my questions. Putting stuff in a cube. Yeah. Yep. Borg cube. It flies through space somehow. <laughs> These chapters were fine. You know, I liked I liked the catching of Steris and getting back to the train. I thought, you know, yeah, we had that big cliffhanger last time, but it was like, all right, cool. This is how we're tying up the gun battle on the train. So that was fine. Like that's, you know, Listeners, no, that's my that's my shit. So that was cool. Like, yeah, that that was all good. Wayne hooking up with Milan. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Honestly, it got to the point where they they were going through. Where the hell is Wayne? And I'm just, I've just realized, wow, I spent the entire gun battle of the last chapter just going, I don't care. Like, man, I've, and I, and I was like, wow, I've really just gone off Wayne. I don't I don't care anymore about him. And then when it turned out, he was. Uh, hook, yeah, when it turned out he was hooking up with a candor, I'm just like, oh, of course. He finds out Wax hooked up with a candor, and he's like, no, that won't do. I have to do it myself. Is where my mind immediately went. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've gone too far in the other direction now. Anything Wayne does, I'm just like, man, fuck that guy. But I don't know. I'll, tr- I'll try and be objective uh, in future. It did seem like Marisai calling him to task. Like, it's just like after the wedding. It's like anytime Wayne does something, Marisai's going to be all comically it's like oh wayne you shouldn't do that you naughty boy and everyone's just like marisai get over it I'm like i really hope that's not the case but the fact that it's happened twice now in the st- at the start of this book is like Ugh, please don't make this a thing mm. Mm. maybe maybe wayne maybe she's into him ew <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely how i felt reading it for the first time when like she seems to be the only one really upset that Wayne was like hooking up with Melon and during the gunfight, everyone else is just like, you know, whatever. And so I'm like, is she, is she jealous? This is new. 
I really hope not, but whatever. And yeah, they they get a new surround. I like the town. That was cool. Bring in one of his bad guys from out in the roughs. I was like, all right, interesting. Um, I've always like you know been curious about his time out in the roughs, so this might be nice to see a bit more history there. And then yeah, we had the comical bit at the end with the poor beleaguered hotel owner just like doing what the who the fuck have i rented my rooms out to it's like that was fine i think it dragged out a bit but uh it it was it was funny i'll give it that but yeah it just totally it felt this step this section came in from some other book that (laughs) like i mean yes there have been comedic bits throughout these books but that was just an out and out comedy routine (laughs) it just kept going i'm like what the fuck everybody had to have their own little thing that's yeah I really like that section, but I have seen several complaints among the fandom that they're like, this feels like trying too hard to be funny. Like, it was too much for too long, and he, like, was going out of his way to try really hard. And so I I, I understand that opinion that some people have, but I love it. Yeah. Oh, like, I think objectively it is a very funny scene. I Like I said, I think it just overstayed its welcome a bit. I think the problem is less about, like, how hard it's trying to be funny and more just how much the tone of it clashes with everything that's come before. Mm. But, yeah, that might just be me. Whatever. Yeah, I guess while we're on the uh, the comedy shtick, I'll start there. I Like, it definitely had funny moments. It definitely was funny. But at the same time, it got a bit cringy. Like, I felt like it was almost making humour out of some of the worst traits of some of the people. Like, with it starting with, you know, wax and do these windows open and then jumping up on the couch to then push the window open and break it. I'm like, you're actually just being really disrespectful. I feel like it would have been a bit different if he didn't jump on the couch. He lost me at jumping on the couch. Um, So, like, definitely funny bits. But then I found as that scene went on, I was like, it would probably play out really well if you were, like, watching it unfold. But I found it really quite cringy. Definitely funny moments. But, yeah, I, I wasn't, like, sitting there having a good chuckle. Uh, yeah, I wanted to smack half of them. I was like, I get you're all tired, but, oh, my God, this poor woman is like, oh, it's so great. Like, you've got this whole floor to yourselves. Oh, and, and you're threatening me with fire? Like, I thought that was funnier with Steris, like, trying to help this woman, but it's just completely backfiring. Like, that was quite funny, but I thought, Wax, I want to hit you. Like, you're just actually being a rude human at this point. And the bit about, like, Melan with her bones in her bag and stuff. It's like, yeah, this woman has just got no idea. I thought it was it was a fun way to put, like, an outsider's perspective, even though it wasn't her viewpoint, on what this group just perceives as normal. It's like it's just so not normal <laughs> for anybody else. So I, I did like that. I enjoyed the rescue of Steris. Knew she'd pull through. I liked her, how Wax used Renette's uh, little gadgets on the string. I thought that's pretty cool, especially if you're limited to only being able to push off metal rather than pull on metal. It's a kind of nice way to help you navigate a bit better. I'm very, very interested in this little cube. Definitely, definitely piqued the interest there. And I'm I'm also really enjoying still seeing this relationship between Wax and Steris coming about. And I'm I'm glad that we've got more Steris. I I know I've said that all book, but she's probably my favourite at this point. Wayne and Melan. No issues with that. Hadn't really thought about the complexities for Wax there, you know, going through obviously what he's been through uh, to to sort of have another human and Kandra relationship play out. But 
I think as much as Wayne's gotten on our nerves recently, I think it's they're probably good characters for each other in that they are disguising to be other people and, you know, they've got a lot of common interests there. So I think that would be a bit of fun to see how it's unfolding. But I hope Marisai doesn't play the jealousy card. Marisai and Wayne is just not, it's not good. Don't, we don't want that. Yeah, probably, probably not. I like, I like what you said about Wax because it totally fits with what we were talking about in the last book where it's like when Wax is quote unquote, like doing his job, he has very little, respect for like other people's property or what he's putting other people through to do his thing he's you know he's he's yeah. flying around destroying people's cars or, and he's just like what i'm you know this is for the greater good or whatever which okay when he's chasing a criminal maybe when he's uh just trying to make sure that he can he's gonna break some lady's windows and stuff just to make window. sure he can get out quick yeah also ask the woman the question first does the window open and she would tell you no the window doesn't open and then maybe he'll go and break the window later like you know, but just to, yeah, I just felt like he's really disrespectful. But, yeah, it does fit with what we're sort of knowing about Wax. And, I, like, it's a really interesting point because, you know, you do have, you know, many, many heroes that are going around and it does seem to be a bit of a thing. It's like, hey, you really got to think about how this affects other people. Yes, you've destroyed their car in the pursuit of good, but they don't know that. Right. Yep character flaws both the you know waxes are coming out here and dak is dak is all over wayne's yeah, yeah. well yeah. why wouldn't you good. be why wouldn't you be all big, over wayne's character flaws that is big fan well no um, one else the book is yeah i mean it is weird i you know i thought about this while you were talking about wayne dak and i'm like you know isn't wayne just like bender and we love bender so what's the difference <laughs> Bender's Bender a robot. gets punished. <laughs> I guess that's true. Bender does get punished from time Wayne to gets time. shot. Yeah, but he can heal. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> also, I was. Gonna... I, I guess also Bender does show remorse at times. Like even in the episodes where he's most horrific, like throwing the puppy in the lava, he does like try to make up for it. I've never seen mm-hmm. Wayne try to make up for the things that he does wrong, or even acknowledge mm-hmm. that he's done wrong. Except for the killing that girl's dad, but yeah. Yeah, but even, like... Even you know, that's kind of an wants. act of selfishness. Because it's like, it's making it's making him feel better, probably, to do it. Yeah. Hey, kids, try this at home. <laughs> Futurama, the show that does not advocate the cool crime of robbery. Uh, DeSander Lynch does not advocate the crime of robbery, by the way. <laughs> Coolness or not is irrelevant. Yeah. There's so many other cool crimes you could commit. I mean, wait, what? <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's get into these chapters. Uh, so when we left Wax, the guy was trying to, like, push him off, and he was trying to hold onto this metal vial so that it wouldn't fly away, his last metal vial. So uh, the guy's now distracted by having been shot, and Steris has flown off the train. So Wax jumps after her, pulls the cork out, Midair drinks it. Uh, he, like, he has to rotate himself in the air so that he can drink this stuff. And I, I, I really like the. It's just like nothing, nothing, nothing. Power. That was cool. Yep. He shoots down after Steris, grabs her, and then uses the shotgun. And this is interesting because we've never seen this before. He pushes the shotgun down into the water, and then it's like water's viscosity being what it was. You could push off something while it was sinking. So, yeah, I think that's a new uh, a new one for us. That makes sense. Yeah. 
And uh, so he uses the shotgun to keep them them dry by pushing it down to the bottom of the river. And Steris' first thing is, what is wrong with that gun? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, sorry. It's, it's a special, it's a special thing for me. Yeah, you weren't, uh, you weren't supposed to touch that. <laughs> Don't touch my stuff. It's great, though. Like, she's fired this gun. It's blown her off a train. She's falling towards a river, could easily die. And when her husband catches her, that's her first thought. I was like, God damn it. She's great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and the, the, her her list later at the hotel just, you know, cements it even further. I think that was, that, that, that was the scene where I'm just like, okay, Starish, you're my favorite now. <laughs> and he, I like, he, he's like, I told you to stay in the other car. And she's like, no, no, no. What you said was to stay safe. And I think that being near you is the safest place. Oh. And, and I almost said, is that sweet or is that just, you know, her being like, her doing her weird logic <laughs> that she uses. Oh, 100%. She's thinking it through. <laughs> like, I, I ran the numbers, and uh, this is what it turned out. Statistically, Sorry. I am more likely to stay alive if I am close to you. <laughs> I mean, can it be both? Yeah, it could be both. There you go. And then hold your breath. What? Why should I? And he goes into the water because he needs that shotgun. So he puts one of the spheres down there instead. And then they use the support beams on the bridge to kind of bound back and forth up back towards uh, the train tracks. And somewhere in here is where it mentions that it's like the the train has to slow down to go down a series of switchbacks on the other side. So he's able to catch up. And yeah, we've got the, the little sphere and line devices that have hooks that he can like engage and disengage. So that's pretty neat. It reminds me of, I mean, really, it's just like an extension of when she gave him Vindication... She was like, look, it has these two little levers inside that you can only see with your allomantic senses. So it's like a safety only you can turn on and off. So it's just like taking that to the next level, which it makes sense since Renette is a lurcher that she would come up with sort of these ideas that work well for Wax. Yeah, Renette's awesome. (laughs) She's basically like an old timey Q from the James Bond movies, just making all these wonderful gadgets and shit. Right? Yeah. She's like, do try to bring it back in one piece, Wax. (laughs) (laughs) And he's... They have a cute conversation where he's like, oh, it turns out you're not boring after all. And she's like, no, no I, I'm totally boring. And he's like, you climbed up on a train and shot a bandit to rescue your fiance. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it behooves a woman to show interest in her husband's hobbies. Yeah. And he uh, he kills a bandit on the train with the uh, expended shells from the shotgun as he ejects them out, which is once again a very cinematic thing that I would love to see. And uh, the engineer's like, they have a device that they're installing back there. And so he's going to go back and stop him. And meanwhile, Marisai is making her way through the train looking for Steris, but instead having to, like, turn aside to comfort all the people who are freaked out about this train robbery. And that's when she runs across guy with suit and cane. That's that's kind of wordy. What are we going to call this guy? Mm, Mr. Kane. Yeah, they call me Mr. Kane. I almost said Mr. Suit because he's got a suit and a cane. <laughs> and I remembered we already have a guy called that. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got a guy. Yeah, let's just call him Peg Leg Joe. <laughs> nah, let's not do that because that's my name. Let's call him. I, Peg I, I wondered Leg. why you. And, the, and yeah. there was also there was already Granite Joe, so we need. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, let's call him Peg Leg Pete. That's alliterative. Okay, done. Love it. Old Peggy. Okay. Yeah, Peggy the Peg. Peg Leg. Peggy Pete. Um. <laughs> That oh sounds God. like he's into something else, which. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hadn't considered that. Okay. Oh, goodness. 
And so, uh, yeah, she's like, hey, you gotta, you're you not safe here. Get out of here. And he's like, oh, well, you seem, what about you? And she, she says, I can take care of myself. He's like, really? Okay, yeah, you do. Okay, maybe you're a metalborn. And that's when he starts to pull out something. And she thinks he's pulling a gun. And so she brings her rifle up. And at that moment, the train lurches as if someone had leaned on the brake, which we know happens when Wax, you know, kills that guy in the forward part of the train. So I like that this kind of synchronizes the timeline for us. And uh, this guy kind of stumbles. So he, he he has a cane for a reason. One of his legs don't work quite right. And he he takes off. And she finds this little cube with weird symbols on it. Which, hey, Wax met a cube earlier. Hmm. So we like he he made it obvious he was up to something with that question. And then it's like, really, this is the best thing you can think to do? I mean, all right, yeah, you don't know what her power is, so pulling a gun may or may not do anything. But it still seems like, you know, throwing a cube at someone, it's like, oh, that was, that that mildly hurt. Also, what the if she cube, wasn't yeah. metal-born? The cube doesn't do anything, aside from right? bruise. Yeah. She might feel she it's can like, take care huh. of herself because she's really good with guns. Like, and she has... Yeah. And <laughs> she's, yeah, she's just like, what, what did that do? And he's like, um... Whoops. Nothing. I dropped that. That's my bad. See you later. Like, oh, that was a cube. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> you hit me with the small cube. How rude. Man, the series is just bringing out all the Austin powers. <laughs> so Wax, he, he finds the bandits with the quote unquote device, which after he kills them, he discovers is just a big case of dynamite with a clock to trigger it. And so Wax just rips the detonator off and tosses it and he's all good. Yeah, how anticlimactic is that? You think they got some cool device? It's like, nah, it's just a big thing of dynamite. Woohoo. <laughs> and then uh, all of a sudden, here comes that big guy again. He's like, all right. And I, I, I just see him like uh, in, in, my, in my head. He's like pumping his arms, like cocking them. Like, OK, let's do this. Just like kind of like he was doing earlier. <laughs> cocking his arms like Henry Cavill in uh, Mission exactly. Impossible. Exactly. <laughs> just yep. reloads his arms like shotguns. Yep. <laughs> Best part of that movie. I love that movie, but that was great. <laughs> I love it. I, I love him in that other in uh, the Man from Uncle. Like, oh man, so much fun in that. That was great. Like that was, yeah. We watched that and it's like I haven't really heard great things about this movie, and it's like this is so much fun. Yeah, I feel like it was really an underrated movie, and I wish there had been a sequel or even like a TV series with those characters. Could have been a lot of fun. But then yeah. what's his name is a cannibal or whatever, so I guess that's not gonna happen. Oh, that's right. That was him. Yeah, he plays mm-hmm. the Russian guy. Army Hammer. Yeah, that's his name. And then uh, Wax gets his cool guy action moment when he, like, takes the the cord thing and throws one end into the tree and wraps the other end around the guy's leg. And he's like, I think this is your stop. Just as it, he gets yanked off the train. No ticket. <laughs> so, like, I definitely hear that in, like, the Daniel Craig Bond voice. Well, Daniel Craig could be Wax. I can see that. Yeah, I think Daniel Craig would be flexed harder acting-wise and better suited for Wayne. I think, I mean, Wayne is clearly the, the acting role uh, of the two. Like, Wax yeah. is not nearly as... as Wax like, is the straight man, Wayne, yeah. Wayne is the fun role. I mean, Steris could also be a, a really fun role for somebody. So he looks up at the other bandits and sees them chucking their members off the train, which he's like, Wait, what? And the guy with the cane gets thrown into the water. So he's off the... He's off. And the other ones start jumping off, too, except for the six remaining ones that level weapons at him. And then they freeze. And he's like, wait, what? He's kind of standing there. He takes a cork and tosses it. And it 
hits a barrier and kind of freezes there. And he's like, oh, I see what's happening here. And he climbs down and Marisai is like pressed up against the top of the inside of the train car. And she's got a bubble encompassing them, which is a fun place to end that chapter. It's like, you know what happens from there. We don't need it anymore. But also it's just like fucking Marisai hats off to you. Brilliant move there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, it makes me really happy, like knowing how self-conscious she was about her power in the first book that she's finding new and creative ways to use it to the benefit yep. of the others. And I thought, Matt, you, you go that, that is awesome. But this actually is uh, is something that has brought up some interesting questions among the fandom that uh, Brandon has had to come back for, because speed bubbles cannot be moved once they're set up. This one is on a moving train and is staying in the same place relative to the train car. So everyone's like, wait, what? How's that work? And so there seems the, the, the consensus seems to be that it has to do with like intent and how you perceive things. It's like. It, when when the train is big enough to be perceived as something that you're on in some way, or I don't even know how to word it exactly, but it's like, it, I mean, you can take the example of like the planet is probably moving all the time, right? But speed bubbles stay in the same place. So it's the same thing where it's like you consider this thing to be like a foundation for what you're on. So it's at some point big enough that the speed bubble can move along with it just like it would on the planet. So it's – uh. Uh, an interesting question about the physics of Alamancy in this case. Hmm. And so th- then you want to do experiments. It's like, okay, what about like a horse or a carriage or a motor car? Like, hmm. <laughs> the beginning of the next chapter is Wax had never shot a doctor before, but he did like trying out new experiences. Perhaps today would be the day. And so a doctor is trying to treat him and he's being ornery about it. But mainly, as we find out, because he wants to go and look for his friend. Yeah, which in all fairness, it's like you didn't see Wayne during the whole fight. It's a guy that normally always has your back. He's not there, and you're like, oh, something had to have happened. Was anybody wondering about it before they mentioned? It's like, oh, we haven't seen Wayne. Yeah, I. Th- that's why I thought when she saw Kane guy that that was oh, right, going right, to yeah. be him. But then when it wasn't, I was like, where's Wayne? Was <laughs> not worried at all. I'm just like, yeah, he'll turn up. <laughs> What if, what if they killed Wayne, like, off-page? How weird would that be? I, I can't see that happening. <laughs> Statistical impossibility based on based on this book series so far. That would be one of those things where they would say that would happen, and we would all just go like, yeah, he's showing up later in the book. He's coming back, alive. yep. It's like, I've, I've outwitted my opponents. They don't even kill... <laughs> they don't even kill random messenger guard from books one through three. Like off page. page. Yeah. Well, it was kind of an important story moment, you know, or it turned out to be. And so Wax starts going through the train, looking for Wayne once he's gotten away from the doctor. And the local constable, like captain or whatever, is like, "Hey, um, you know, thanks for like dealing with those guys. We're lucky you were here. Uh, it's this this known bandit group, uh, the Night Street Gang. Apparently, they stole some Erichel Erichel payroll, and apparently." They killed or captured a good half of them, so that's a pretty good day's work. But the guy knows nothing about the guy with the limp or the Alamancer, so this whole thing still feels a little bit vichy to wax. Also, apparently there's like a racist term for coloss-blooded people, which I guess I shouldn't be surprised by, but... Mm-hmm. Naturally. And I'll <laughs> say, it even sounds racist. Like, that, yeah. that the, the term, I'm just like, yeah, that, that feels racist. Mm-hmm. So the, the guy's like, you, you, you're going to come help us chase down the rest of the gang? And Wax is like, I don't know, maybe. 
It's like, leave me alone. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I could take seriously a bandit leader named Donnie. <laughs> Donnie? Shut the <laughs> fuck up, Donnie. Yeah, that's exactly it. Hey, it's Donnie! Like, John, John Goodman is just going to, like, you're out of your element, Donnie. I, I read a theory the other day that, like, only Walter can see Donnie, and he's, like, the ghost of one of his Vietnam buddies who died in Vietnam. And uh, I was like, I don't think this theory actually works. I'm pretty sure the dude talks directly to Donnie more than once, but uh, oh, I yeah. think he does, all, yeah. All the time. And he's also there, you know, when they go by the funeral home, when they dump the ashes. Like, yeah, somebody's so like, gets the but the, the dude face. gets covered with Donnie's ashes. And that that's the one moment that they point out when I, in the thing I was reading. It's like, where did the ashes come from? <laughs> yeah, if he's not real, unless he's been dead for a really long time and he's just now dumping the ashes. But I, I like this alternate version of the movie where occasionally Walter just looks over his shoulder at nothing and like screams obscenities. <laughs> and everyone just is like expects it. Like that's just his thing. <laughs> Makes the smoky conversation even funnier. <laughs> so, I'm I, I'm the walrus. I'm the walrus. Also, it's like Donnie Market Zero. Walter, there's no one there. <laughs> uh, no, it's Market Zero, dude. Yeah, dude, oh, Market dude. Zero. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Donnie. I have to watch that movie again. I haven't watched it in ages. Oh, yeah. you got to watch Big Lebowski every once in a while. Just, also, yeah. who's the third person on their bowling team? Yeah. Do they need... They wouldn't, let him ju- they wouldn't just let him go twice. Do we see, like, a third person on Jesus' team? Like, I, I yes. don't remember the two of them. Only okay. in the background, but yes. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. So, Marisai's just like, you know, we can't go chasing those criminals, right? And he's like, I don't know. Might be related. So, I don't know. We talked about this when they first showed up, and Joe makes kind of the same point in the previous section that Marisai makes here. It's like, they were surprised to see an Alamancer, like, fighting them. And she's like, they should, I mean, if they knew you were here, they would have tossed dynamite, dynamite in and shot the whole car up. But they didn't do that. So, do we think that this was just a random coincidence and bad shit just happens to wax? Or is there something more? Could be either. He has been a yeah, bit of a shit magnet. I mean, c- clearly something weird is going on because... The local constable constabulary guy seems to think it's this one gang with a leader named Donnie, but that's obviously not who was calling the shots. So either Donnie's gang got taken over by some new guys in town who possibly could be connected. Um, mm. I mean, my my thinking is this, you know, million lives, hundred lives, whatever, whatever his name was. He was the he was the guy bringing in the cash for them so that they could fund their operation. Well, he's gone. So that maybe they have taken over this bandit, this local bandit gang, to do their fund, their you know money funding for their operations, and they're keeping it quieter, closer to New Saran, because they don't want to draw Wax's attention. So they may not have known he was on the train at all. This may be the, just them going about their operations. So it's still connected, mm. but it's you know they never expected him to get involved. Especially because didn't they only book their passage, like, earlier that day? Yeah, it was very last minute. Well, like, you, it would be a lot yeah. of work to pull something off like this to, like, not have them on which, the train if you were targeting them. Which, you know, they had to run stuff through the constabulary to get Marisai to be allowed to go. So if they've got a mole in the constabulary, which, you know, it's almost certain that they do if if these people are as powerful as as they appear to be then they some word could have gotten out but i think i think it's more likely that they didn't know 
that they were there or that they were going to be there. Okay. I feel like this is probably the introduction that this guy will come up later with his little magic cube. And, yeah, I don't know whether they target Wax now. They go, oh, yeah, well, he's already out here or or what. I don't know. Maybe this is going to alert Mr. Suit that Wax is on the way. Maybe he's going to give us an insight to some metallic arts that we're mm. not really talking about. Maybe, maybe we'll never see these guys again. <laughs> well, if if you only had one magic cube, I believe Marisai has a hold of it now. So that could be a whole mm. other story. Like maybe they're going to come looking for it. True. You just got cubed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's a lot of introspection where Wax is thinking about, you know, he doesn't want to lose his friend or whatever until finally he senses some movement with his, uh, you know, steel sense. And he opens one of the floor luggage compartments in this one car and there's Wayne, no shirt, must up hair, or I'm sorry, unbuttoned shirt, must up hair. And when you look a little over, you see Melon, who apparently just sits up topless and is like, hey, what's up? Are we there? And we cut to Wayne being like, how was I supposed to know we'd get attacked? Is this like that horror movie joke where the couple are doing it and they don't notice that someone's getting murdered in the background? Like, is that is it this for like an action scene? Like, they're so busy getting it on, they just didn't they didn't hear all the fucking gunshots and explosions and shit going on around the train, or notice the train lurching and stopping and starting? Or I feel yeah. like that's as good of an explanation as any. Okay, let's go with it. That means <laughs> Wayne. That means at some point Wayne's going to die in this book. Yep, axe murderer's yeah. going to get him. I, I just he love Mary. He's going to get cubed. Yep, he's going to get cubed. Exactly. Marisai's explanation for why you should have known we'd get attacked is because we are us. Like, yeah, okay, that's fair. I love that. <laughs> like, duh. We attract this energy, you guys. <laughs> Weird stuff happens to us. The dude with the corn cob comes in. I like that mostly they seem to blame Wax. It's all Wax's fault, even though these other people are there almost as often. And so Marisai, like I said, she's the only one really who seems upset Wax is just kind of relieved that his friend is alive, and I think he knows that, like, scolding him or yelling at him isn't going to do anything useful, even if he, – he's like, he didn't really, he didn't do anything wrong. But even if he thought he did something wrong, like Marisai did, it, you know, it's Wayne. What are you going to do? I like what Wax says, like, man, if I approved of half the things Wayne did, Harmony would probably strike me down. I'm like, well, let's follow that logic. Why would Harmony not strike Wayne down for doing them? <laughs> Wayne's not a Pathian, so it's fine. Yes, uh, it's oh. fine. <laughs> I yeah, I really don't get if Marisai is not kind of somewhat attracted to Wayne or something. I don't really get her her play here. Like, is she get having older sister vibes? I just don't understand what she thinks she's going to accomplish because I feel like she should know Wayne well enough to know to already know that like yeah, you you telling him or scolding him or telling him not to do these things it's not gonna it's not gonna help. Like, it's gonna have no effect on him. I sort of read it, read it as kind of like a uh, religious conflict. It's like like these these people are basically angels. You don't fuck angels. That's mm. true. There are uh, mm. there are stories in scripture of people attempting to have sex with angels, and it doesn't go well for them. No, no. So it might no. be a case of look, we're working with these people. But that doesn't mean we get intimate with them. Yeah, the Nephilim are extinct. I sort of thought she was just embarrassed. Yeah, Marisai blushes a lot. It's true. She's embarrassed, and she's this is her first response. <laughs> just a little bit defensive by going after him yeah okay yeah and so marisai brings up like somebody did something to my or wax rather says somebody did something to my alamancy uh, like a leecher but he didn't touch me and that's when we get the 
I think, first in-book explanation of they burn chromium to blank another Alamancer's metals, but they have to touch you. And he's like, there was a little cube involved. And Marisa's like, wait, what, a little cube? And she's just stormed off. And uh, Wayne's like, everyone looks at her in surprise. And she's like, what? And she blushes because, of course. And he's like, Wayne says, you stalked away indigenously. And is this like, a thing Wayne did where he mixed up the words before? I don't remember yep, this. He, he has done this multiple times before. Yeah. Yes, it's one of my, it's one of the things I actually really like about him because I like jokes like that. Yep, where, I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, where he like messes up the word and then it gets and especially when she gets confused and says it also, it, that it's great. Actually, yeah. earlier earlier in this book, when he says after he sabotaged the wedding, he's like, "Wax will know that I did it way down in his subcontinents." I, I remember that, and it's like I don't remember from the previous two books, and I'm just like, did they just start in this book? Or but if it happened in the previous books, that's fine, I guess. I it maybe did. it just didn't happen often enough for me to notice it. And uh, she's like, wait, you mean like a cube like this? And it's like, yeah, he pulled it on me like he was pulling a gun. And then Wayne has this background just joke that he will not let die uh, about, well, that's a weird gun. Bullets would have to be really tiny, which is not his funniest joke. I'm just like, I'm with Marissa. Like, seriously, dude, just. And so they're debating what, what we're going to do. Marissa says, when you get on a train going south, because her mission is finding the spike. Wayne's like, ah, but the bandits might have information. Maybe we should chase them. Besides, I didn't get to stomp on none of them. See, yeah, he's like, oh, man, like, I'm acting like the aggrieved party. It's like, you are the one who is not paying fucking attention, dude. <laughs> and Marisai gets on to even Melon and be like, you're 600 years old. You should know better. And she's like, I'm young at heart. Really? I copied this one off a 16-year-old that I, I ate a few months back. And she's like, oh, was that gauche? That was gauche, wasn't it? I did like her response. It's like, oh, wrong crowd. <laughs> it's like that that would have gone over like gangbusters in a Chandra bar, but okay. <laughs> yeah. You, people would have been laughing themselves silly. Come on. I even make Ted soon laugh with that one. <laughs> and so Wax says, no, we're going on to New Saran. We're, I've already arranged. There's a freight train coming. They're going to hook up our car to that. We're going with them. No, no, they're going to move our train off the tracks, and then we're going to go in the freight car. And... After they've kind of broken up uh, the, the little conference, Marisai says that, to Wax that he needs to go and talk to Steris. He's like, what? She seemed calm. And Marisai's like, yeah, but she's doing needlework. She only does needlework when she has an overwhelming desire to appear normal. She read that it's an appropriate hobby for a woman of means. She hates it to death but won't tell a soul. Apparently she didn't even know she had a sister until they were teenagers. And uh, Marisai's like, I could talk to her, but she doesn't listen to me. And so Wax's solution is to walk upstairs and be like, hey, Marisai says you're having a problem. Which... <laughs> That is a little uh, a little straightforward, as she says. Yeah, but you think Steris appreciates the straightforward approach? That's true. Yeah, I think I would think she would. It's like we're not mincing words. You know, she said she said you haven't got a problem. Talk, talk talk to me about it. I'm I'm your fiance. Well, let's let's do this. Yep. And she calls him out on his behavior again, being like, "Look, when you were young, you had tutors, diction coaches. You went to the balls and all this stuff. Like you you're not really like the this wild man." And he's like, well, yeah, but I was in the roughs for 20 years, so that, that that does some stuff. And they have a very nice moment where he's just like, have you ever been somewhere you didn't fit, where everyone else seems to get it, and you just have no idea what to do, and you just have to work at everything? And she goes, that's that's my whole life, dude. And he's like, well, that was what the parties were for me. And I like his note that it's like he would like he he liked to leave the parties and just look like stare out at the the mist or whatever. And people, uh, several people thought he was slow because he would just stand there staring out the window. And uh, she kind of, you know, they're having a nice talk and she kind of falls asleep on his shoulder and it's very sweet. 
we get another piece of broadsheet, which the Farthing Mansion hit article about like this mansion that had this reversed gold symbol painted on it. Uh, and we find out later exactly what that means. It is apparently the symbol of Ape Manton, his old nemesis. What kind of name is Ape Manton, by the way? You know, it's one of those cool nicknames that you get when you're out there. Although I keep imagining him as like Gorilla Grodd or something because he's called. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it uh, doesn't sound cool to me. It sounds pretty lame. It's it's definitely memorable. It's better than the kid. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. Mm. I think I Wayne had... doesn't want to be memorable, though. I had um, in my head, the as soon as I saw Ape Manton, I was like, um, that song from the Jersey Boys musical, Dak, was it Going Ape? Oh, yeah. That one? It just played over and over and over in my head, and I was like, oh, oh man, this is not the vibe you want from... <laughs> Probably something that's supposed to be terrifying. Let's see what else is in here. We also get an ad for Soother's Choice Chewing Gum. I don't know why the Soother is picking your chewing gum, but whatever. We get a little piece of that bigger story about Nikki Savage. I, I really like the bit of picture we get with the whatever the hell that is. Like skeleton ghost thing. Yep. Okay. And uh, let's see what else. We, we really get so little of that story, it's not even really worth touching on. And then... The interesting one for me is, does Harmony have a medal? Apparently, it's it's a question that has been asked all the way back to the Lord Mistborn when he famously said, having the has sazed a medal. Ugh. Yeah, just, you uh, you know I sighed when I read that too, Dak. Yeah, <laughs> just, Spurk, just stop it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we had Lorassium and uh, named after Laris, and we had Adium named after Addy. So, does Harmony have a medal? Or is it still just those two from when the two shards were, like, separate? And what would it be What would it be called? Sazium. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess if it was following the naming scheme, it would be Sazium or Sazedium. Sazium. Shazam. <laughs> but, yeah. That raises, uh, who knows? <laughs> Who knows what that might do? We might have an extra metal waiting out there for us. Mm. And then there's like a Workers Unite sort of meeting also happening tonight. So, you know, chapter 10. The boy who lived. No, that's chapter one. Wax wakes up to the sound of distant explosions, but actually it is the waterfalls as they are arriving at New Saran, which I didn't even think about that actually initially. Like that would be the most egregious part of living in a city that's like built right up on some waterfalls is it would be loud all the time. Mm, yeah. Yep. You just got to tune that out. I just, I, I like you're sitting down to dinner every night with your family and everyone's just like, what? <laughs> uh, hello. What did you say? Everyone learned I'm, sign language here. I mean, we have a train running through our town and after a while I've tuned it out. That's true. Uh, let's see. Milan is looking through her bundles of bones to pick the right body. So she just brought a bunch of bones so that she had her uh, her options open. Well, you never know what might come up. Yeah. yeah we bring different outfits. Makes sense you bring different bones, I guess. <laughs> I should never have brought this rib cage. It doesn't go with my shins. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the guy driving the train uh, is from New Saran. He's like, yeah, I often think that Harmony was showing off a little when he made this place. It's so pretty. And uh, he says that, oh, they're they're in a nice hotel. It's way up at the top. And Maris is like, oh, yeah, how close can you get us? Not not at all close. Hang, hang on. Yeah. Sorry, can, can we can we just go back? Harmony built this place? 
He brought everyone else out into the field of rebirth, which was just grass and nothing else, and they had to build those log cabins. But he built this city? Well, I mean, I think he means, like, you know, the terraces of waterfalls or whatever is yeah. Yeah. a natural, uh, natural stuff phenomenon. But a, Harmony made the world, so, you know. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it'll take hours to go up there in the gondolas. But, uh, I mean, you could take a carriage, but that's even longer. And Wax is like, oh, dude, we are all too tired for that shit. And he turns to Marisai to shortcut. And she goes, you realize I'm wearing a skirt? He's like, yep. <laughs> and so he's going to take Marisai up via Alamancy and come back for the others. But he's like, I'm not carrying the luggage. You send that luggage on up. And so as they kind of hop up the terraces uh, with his Alamancy, he's looking at the town. He's like, oh, this is an interesting place. Quaint little houses, not like the towering apartments of Ellendale. Let's see, they land near this big statue that the guy had pointed out to them, saying their hotel was near the statue. And uh, they decide to go find the hotel before the, he goes back down to get everybody else. And Marisai notes that uh, he, as he walks through, he's moving like a shark among minnows. People intentionally avoid him, just the way that he moves, the way that he looks. I mean, he does have his uh, big mist coat duster on and weapons clearly visible. And also, he's apparently quite tall, so... He's everyone seems a little shorter down here and he saw over the crowd by several inches. So, yeah, I can see how that might be a little intimidating all put together. And he goes, yeah, I'm not good at blending in. So whatever. And she's like, do you need Wayne tonight? Can I like borrow him? And Wax is like Wayne at the party. I don't I mean, if if I need him to end up drunk in the punch bowl, maybe. And <laughs> now, 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 you keep making remarks <laughs> like that and Harmony will strike you down. <laughs> And so she says that she wants to check graveyards for the spike. And Wax is like, well, that's dirty work. And she's like, yeah, that's why I asked for Wayne. Yep. And then he sees a little girl selling broadsheets and notices that symbol and is immediately like, oh, my gosh, give me that. Here's some money. Where's this house? And even Maris says like, wait, I've seen that. He's like, yeah, you read my you read about my time in the roughs. I'm sure that symbol was in there. That's the symbol of eight men. I don't know why backwards gold, what that's uh, supposed to be about exactly, but okay. He hunts Alamancers, and she's like, could he be involved in all of this somehow? And he's like, with the set? No, he hates Alamancers. And she's like, well, I mean, you know, enemy of my enemy. And he's like, no, no, not the ape. He wouldn't take the hand of a metalborn trying to save him from falling to his death. So <laughs> he's not part of this. We ignore him. I'm here for suit. So immediately I go to, so he's... Amon from Legend of Kara. Yeah, except that Amon was a bender, so it's kind of yeah, but yeah. yeah. Unless Ape is also an Alamancer. Could be. I like the the lurcher juggler that they pass by, so you can just like drop or throw things and you know pull them back. So it's like a whole juggling act. I think that could be really neat, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, oh, it's like he a... can't fail. <laughs> Wax is like that's a waste of Alamantic abilities. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You don't get to judge how these people make a living, right? I've seen you open doors with Alamancy. Don't act so big. <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk a wasteful. Like, all these people are crowded around, and it annoys him to the point that he's going to pull out his gun and shoot just to, like, make them clear out. He's like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, what yeah. the fuck, dude? He's, uh, he's not in a great mood. Nope. And so she's like, dude, you need to chill. This vendetta against your uncle. And he's like, not a vendetta. It's like, it kind of is, dude. And when she, when she lays it out, he's like, how petty do you think I am? And she's like, well, I mean, considering what I just said, exactly that petty. Uh, you're about to use your gun to clear out a crowded street. Yep. Petty. 
And so he's like, you go check it. They find the hotel. He's like, you go check us in. I'll get the others. And then we cut to the hotel owner, Aunt Jin, showing it's like, oh, you guys have this entire top floor to yourselves. And she's all happy and so sweet. And she's got her big hat that's just like covered in flowers. And as she's explaining, it's like, yeah, yeah great. Can I have your hat? And she, wait, what? You, you have like a lady friend? You want to give her that? No, I need to wear it the next time I'm, I'm an old lady. It's like, what? And that's when Wax is like, hey, these windows open. And she's explaining, well, they used to. We had them painted shut. And while she's talking, he just breaks them open. You just imagine Yakety Sax playing in the background of this scene as all this is going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's real hard to break open painted windows. I just got to say that's it's uh, impressive. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He also doesn't care if he breaks the window completely. So when you don't As, care mm. how how you mess it up, then I bet it's actually not that hard. It's really unfortunate if he breaks mm. the window so it can't close. I mean, they might have cold breeze blowing through here and the sound of the waterfalls. He's really not making their room great. Yeah, and his and all blame Wes. He's also <laughs> a descendant of breeze, so that's a double win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a breeze coming through the through the room. He keeps asking for wine. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I just keep getting this overwhelming feeling to bring wine, and I don't understand why. <laughs> that's that's his soothing. He's soothing away like anything except the desire to bring wine. Mm, delicious wine. I prefer bourbon. Wayne has to find some peanuts, which he's very excited about. And there's there's an odd interaction where he says, "I ain't eat nothing since I swiped the fruit in Steris's luggage." And Steris goes, what are you babbling about? As if to say she didn't have fruit in her luggage. <laughs> so I'm like, did he eat yeah, like, some potpourri or something? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> that, that fruit was fantastic. Those were moist towelettes. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually like decorative wax fruit that she brought along to, to decorate just, with. Yeah, just in case. In yeah, case just in case. Fruit. You know, she's always prepared. And maybe <laughs> I'll finish those potato chips Amy didn't finish yesterday. Those were toenail clippings. A feast is a feast. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's okay, though, because he left uh, one of his great. shoes in trade for those uh, fruit. That one had a raccoon in it. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's, he now only has one shoe. So he offers to trade Aunt Jin the shoe for the hat. They're both clothes, right? Mm. And then... What would I do with a man's shoe? Well, wear it next time. You, you got to be a fella. You got the perfect face for it. Good shoulders, too. Which maybe yeah, is not actually. Nice, no, it's that's horrible. I, I was like, maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and that he actually thinks that's a compliment in some way. But that's messed up. Yeah. And Steris is like, just ignore him. Here's a list of things that might happen while we're here that I want you to look over. And she's like, fire, shootouts, robbery, explosions. And Wax is like, hey, that's unfair. You've been listening to Wayne. And <laughs> Wayne says, nope, things do explode around you. And Sarah's like, I mean, he's right. I've accounted for 17 explosions involving you, which is a huge statistical anomaly, even considering your 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 profession. Which, yeah. And I love I love Wax. It's just like, really? 17? <laughs> which I'm kind of impressed with myself. Yeah. I, don't, I only remember 14. Yeah, all three of them gave you a concussion. Oh, that's why I have that blackout period. Okay. <laughs> I kind of messed that up earlier. There was a, an explosion during the train robbery, and I was like, oh, there's one more for Steris's list, forgetting that we hadn't actually uh, seen this scene yet. Well, thanks to us being stupid, it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are just like, that made no sense, but I'm going to pretend that it did, and we'll move on. It's all good. Uh, he's babbling yeah, about we something were... again, whatever. <laughs> yeah, 
No, we were all just embarrassed to not know what it was. We were just like, yeah, list. <laughs> right. And so Steris has made this like booklet with a table of contents explaining these different things that might happen. And then if you turn to those pages, she outlines the scenario and gives suggestions for how to respond. I've sorted the list by potential for property damage. <laughs> and so, okay, this part is where I'm like, okay, th this is going like, okay, wax ripping open the windows. I was like, I feel like it's a little over the top, but I think it fits wax fine. The next, I, at some point, I feel like Brandon is just like, I need to give everyone something funny to be doing because then wax starts like, jumping around and like testing out the best place to slam doors from and wayne explains it's like oh yeah he's looking for the best place to slam doors with his brain it's fine and i'm like when have we ever seen wax do something like that like we have never seen him come into a room and be like i gotta find just the right place to slam the doors <laughs> yeah we've never seen yeah, him test it out but we we have seen him do it in a fight where he slams the door to like block mm -hmm. himself from something and stars is like just read the notebook and Aunt Jin is like, are these threats? No, no, no. I just want you to be prepared. And Wayne's like, she's thorough. And Steris goes, I like to be thorough. That 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 feels like a very friends moment to me. Where it's like, she's thorough. Yeah, I like to be thorough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, why why you gotta be stifling me? <laughs> Flooding from a diverted waterfall, coloss attack, cattle stampede through the lobby. That one's highly unlikely, Steris said. But it's never it never hurts to be prepared. <laughs> Uh, cattle stampede where the hell like, they're in a city is Wayne's yeah. gonna go go like Wayne's just gonna go for a wander and come back with a herd of cows but now that they've said that don't you feel like it has to happen somehow yeah probably <laughs> that would be pretty fantastic if in some way it's like yeah that one's so unlikely I just put it in there just in case and then that is exactly what happens that, that is gonna happen yeah <laughs> I then, just I would love to know what goes through her head to go okay this is in fact a possibility Mm -hmm. <laughs> like of all the scenarios you could come up with, how did she, how did she think this one was possible enough to warrant being in the book, but highly unlikely to actually occur? Maybe there's a large amount of cattle ranchers around New Saran, and she's like, well, if we get it, if we get involved with cattle rustlers, mm. we might have competing <laughs> cattle. I don't know. <laughs> the flooding from a diverted waterfall makes sense to me because of all the waterfalls, although. That one makes me wonder, like, is, isn't flooding, like, an issue they might deal with a lot? Like, whenever it rains a bunch, do they have that happen? Or, I don't know. When a beaver makes a dam, the waterfall just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah they beavers maybe, in this climate? Maybe. Could be. Maybe. You maybe Sazed has created it so well that they don't mm. get over-rained in that region. And so, Melon wants to know what bust size she should wear for tonight. It's very important uh, for a lady's evening preparations. And Saris, after everyone is just silent for a minute, Saris is like, that's kind of an improper question, Melon. And Melon says, you're just jealous because you can't take yours off to go for a run. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> what a randomly specific. <laughs> and so, um, and then I like the bellboy is bringing up her stuff and he's like, you better not drop my bag with the skulls. And Aunt Jen's like, did, did she say skulls? Don't worry about it, it's fine. And that's when Marisite comes over. He's like, don't worry. Probably nothing's going to happen to your hotel. It's all good. And Hanshin's like, you got to get away from these people, young lady. These, they're all crazy. And Marisite's like, no, no, it's fine. We just had a long night. And so she's finally comforting her. And then she's like, yeah, <laughs> this is very important. I need you to send somebody down to the trade bureau and have them collect the names of everyone who works at the local graveyards. And she's like, just, 
Yeah, that puts her real at ease, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so good. It's just like she's finally at ease, and then she's like, oh, by the way, I need information about graveyards. Wait, what? What? Why? And then punted out the door. And Malon wants them to send up a nice hunk of aged meat for her. And then we hear her talking to the bellboy. No, of course there aren't, there aren't corpses in these. Why would I need bones with the flesh still on them? Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I mean, when she when she said that, it's like, why don't I need the flesh still on them? I'm just like, well, you were just talking about wanting a snack. It's true. <laughs> Maitland gets her own room because she probably wants to um, melt. Reminds me of like Odo from Deep Space Nine. It's like, just get her a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> With the power to melt. <laughs> Sleeps in the bathtub. Probably would. Probably should. And Maitland eventually solves her problem by deciding she will be a man tonight. Everyone, everyone looks at Wayne like, is he okay with this? And uh, he doesn't care. Really? But she looks like a man. So does the lady what runs this house. Dude, do you really have the... Like, now it seems mean. Yep. And so Malon is going to slip into the party to back wax up, like, subtly, secretly. And I love that she's like, dude, you're the detective. I'm just around for the punchy, punchy, stabby, stabby. Malon has found her niche. And then they have a comedic little waxes like, I mean, she assumes that our detective style isn't normally punchy, punchy, stabby, stabby. Yeah, it's more like shooty, shooty, wacky, wacky, but whatever. And Maris is like, why are, why are we doing this? And I guess this is the explanation we're supposed Ooh. to believe for this whole scene. It's like, we're just tired. We all need some sleep. That is the end of our chapters. So I guess let's move into predicaments. Where are we going from here? Yeah, I think we're going to get a, a surprise guest at the party. You know, it'd be funny to me that if Mr. Suit was just like there and then, you know, waxed there and he's like, ah, nephew, let me introduce <laughs> you to some people. Um, You know, that'd be pretty cool. I think uh, I don't know that that's going to happen. And I'm not, I'm not I mean, it's a prediction just because I'd like to see it. Right. Mm, okay. uh, it's not maybe what I'm expecting. I don't know that. Uh, I think the graveyards is going to be a bust. I think it's going to be used maybe for comedic purposes but i don't know that they're going to find anything interesting or of note or or really relative to the story there and i think steris is going to prove uh liked at the party and uh she's going to be somebody that is they they will find very interesting there in new saran for some reason um okay. you know we all like stairs but you know, mm-hmm. you never know what other people might think so that would be fun to see just people enjoying steris's company and so I think that's what's going to happen with the party in the graveyard situation. And I, I just hope that they find some clues. I would predict that they're going to find some clues as to where to go next. Maybe um, maybe Ape Manton will show up. Maybe not. I'm interested. I, I'm going to stick with my prediction that these bandits were taken over by the sets like goons. And, and they're really the cash cows now. These bandits are robbing people for money to keep the keep the influx of money coming in. Okay. Um, I, I, I know that it was like an insurance scam last time, but I think this time it's more of a, a more of just like a cash flow situation. So either that or they're being used, they're being given these cubes to test them out, um, to oh. see how well they work. So maybe they'll start, maybe they're selling the cubes on the black market. Maybe that's the ultimate goal is they're like making these cube things that, that could possibly store investiture to uh, sell to the hmm. highest bidder. And so bandit groups are just going to start carrying them. It'll be kind of like a common commodity. Because, you know, what do people like more than anything? New tech, right? So yep. in this age of, of changing industry, uh, 
they may be using Elemanti not just to create an army, but rather to create weapons or, te- or tech to give other, you know, give people the other upper hand, and you could sell it to both sides and then make all the money because both sides are using it. So yeah, maybe maybe that's what's going down. I mean, if it's a we, we don't we all we we've seen the cube. We assume it was the cube. Blank out waxes metals, and so I think we've theorized that you know maybe there it, it's like absorbing the alamancy from a leecher or something, right? And being used for that was the theory. But if it right. uh, alternately the cube could just somehow be programmed or given the power to leech, maybe that's the only thing that it does. In which case. Everyone would want that. Like cops would want that for going after Alamancers. Gangs would want that for like stopping Alamancers from stopping them. That could be sure. extraordinarily valuable. Yeah, and it's the old, uh, you know, it's the old adage of escalation. It's like, what's that movie where there's like we start? I think it's I think it's The Dark Knight. It's like that we start uh, carrying. Uh, oh yeah, bat, the end of Batman Begins. Like you, we we start carrying semi-automatics. They buy automatics. It's like you know, escalation. Uh, I, th- I thought we were being Sean Connery. It's like they bring a knife, you bring a gun. I mean that that's true too. But yeah, so yeah, there's some. I mean, I mean that could be a very big market if they figured out a way to invent this technology to break into that. So that's a that's a good thought that you had. That could be worth a lot of money. So yeah, I'm not entirely certain where we're going from here either. I agree with Joe that I think the party will have a mystery guest, but I think it's going to be Peg Leg Pete. Hmm. I think because yeah he's he's an, he's an unknown uh, you know the cop had no clue who he was so I think he's going to show up and just be wandering around the party and so Wax will confront him and it turns out he's actually like someone very high up someone who's untouchable politically uh, in uh, New Saran uh, he's and the mayor Wax, he's he's ironized the mayor of New Saran yeah <laughs> and so yeah what like Wax will confront him and just be like and get told no you can't do that you can't touch me here and Wax go. What the fuck is such a high-ranking official doing robbing trains? And Peg Leg Pete's just like, everyone needs a hobby, dude. <laughs> I love that. It's like, no, I just do It's fun. What are you talking about? Diplomatic like, have you, immunity. Have, 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 you, yeah. have, you tri- have you tried robbing a train? It's great. Were you at the same train robbery I was? Because that was a hoot. <laughs> it was great. I cubed people. You were one of them. Yeah, man. Uh, you never had a rush like Cuban, a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Cuban? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you want the cigar? Yeah, okay. I'm still riding the train that I think... That was that was a pun that was an unintentional one, I'm sorry. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop and think about that for a minute. I was like, wait, what did I just say? Yeah, I think going to the graveyard, I think it will appear to be a bust but i still think that at some point wayne is just gonna find some random item and then later it'll turn out to be the like it'll turn out to be the bands of mourning and no one will have any idea that he's been carrying it the whole time so maybe the graveyard's a good spot for him to find them he dig- he digs it up and it's like oh man this guy had a metal hip i'm gonna put that in my pocket for later for some reason and then it t- and then that turns out to be the bands later that'd, that'd be fun um mm. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. He uh, trades like a sh- he trades his shoe for the bands. Yeah. The Lord like, Mistborn's buttons or whatever we saw in that previous Gentleman Jack adventure. Oh, could you imagine if Gentleman Jack showed up at the party? It's like I've got a bone to pick with you, Waxilium Ladrian, and then Wax just kicks him in the balls. 
Oh I'd man, what if Peg Leg Pete is Gentleman Jack? Oh, it's like yeah. he's gotten old and kind of like beat up. Yeah, like, he's very bitter now. Yeah, and he likes robbing trains just for the <laughs> thrill. He loves Cuban guys just for the thrill. <laughs> oh, he he loves Cuban guys because of the thrill. That's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that's Q-I-N-G. <laughs> it gives me a great pleasure cube. to cube someone sensually. Have you ever felt this, Leila? It's a real cube. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, One might say you're tired. Yeah, <laughs> you might say that. Yeah, possibly. Um, it was a long week. Yeah, no, like, honestly, like, like, that'd be cool. Gentleman Jack shows up and, like, just, yeah, we get to see him from the outside perspective. Because, I mean, we know from the broadsheets in the last book, he has he has a cube to throw with wax. Well, that was a stretch. Yeah. No, I like that one. That's good. I like that. <laughs> okay, you're just trying to keep this going. Yeah. <laughs> I've got think, a cube to throw with you, sir. He, I think he was at a party in New Saran in that last newspaper, so, you know, oh, he was he? hanging around. Oh, oh God. Oh, this is gonna be the greatest. This is gonna be the greatest <laughs> book of all time. <laughs> Gentleman Jack's there with a cube in his hand. Man, it could, it could, it could happen. It could happen. We could finally meet Handowim. Yeah, there's gonna be a glove slap. <laughs> Dost thou want to fucking go, sir? It's <laughs> like Wait, what? <laughs> oh, I wonder. I wonder if because uh, you remember he was advertising for like that tailor that had made mm-hmm. him that shirt, and I'm like, yeah. Is the tailor back in in Ellendale, or was that a tailor in New Saran? Can we go to that tailor shop now? Well, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe so. I, I, uh, you know, it would be really funny if if Gentleman Jack was there and Wax, and he knew who Wax was and was annoyed with him, and Wax had no idea who he was. He's like, <laughs> "Who are you?" It's like, "Don't you know about me? I'm Gentleman Jack from the broadsheets." He's like, "I don't need that crap." <laughs> I, I, I like the idea that like. He's just so self-absorbed, it never enters into his head that Wax doesn't know who he is. So he just <laughs> right. he just keeps hassling him, but never actually introduces himself. Yeah. And Wax is like, like, can security get this fucking crazy guy away from me? And it's not until yeah. after they leave the party that Milan's like, do you know who that was? Obviously yeah. I don't, because I kept asking <laughs> yeah. him. He's like, that's Gentleman Jack. That dickhead's like, who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it even more funny if she's like, it's Gentleman Jack. He's like, who? Yeah, he, he, that's, that does nothing for him. Uh, I like, I, I do like your your like unintentional or in, or intentional train pun, uh, because one of the reasons that I picked the song that I picked for this book is because of this the train scene that we just had, and part of the song says steam train running on a reckless rail speeding right into the rising gale. I was like, oh, there's like a, a cool train scene that'll fit really well. Oh yeah, that works. It's even a, it's even a steam train, so you know. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, I, I really want this Jack scene now. Also, <laughs> <laughs> well, since we read his story, I have always just wondered, it's like, is he actually going to show up in these, or is that just going to be there for flavor? That's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yes, I'm I'm firmly on board with gentleman Jack showing up. I think that would be very funny. Yeah, I, I'm hoping the next chapters that we read are this this ball and the graveyard. I feel like Marisai and Wayne probably won't find anything like they're not going to find the spikes, but maybe there's going to be some familiar symbols or something that they might come across. And if Marisai's still got the cube, maybe that I believe the cube had a whole bunch of symbols on it. Or am I making that up? 
No, that sounds Yes, right. yeah, there were symbols on it. Mm. Um, so we've got that. We've got our reverse gold symbol. I don't know that that's going to necessarily make sense yet, but there we go. I was thinking that if these guys are sort of back with the, uh, you know, working with the set and, and trying to potentially breed more Alamances and ferrochemists and advancing technology, maybe this cube, maybe there's, say, 16 types of these cubes that steal different powers. So if they're going to rob a train, they might as well go looking for Metalborn as well and steal these powers and potentially the cubes become spikes that like rather than having to actually kill someone for their power maybe they might be able to just steal it and then Hmm. put it into somebody else that might be sort of how we're looking at making more metal born or potentially a mist born as well that's kind of what i was thinking there the the symbols could relate to a specific specific metal to steal potentially our ape manton friend with his symbols maybe he doesn't like alamances because they stole his abilities or something i don't know that's probably a bit of a stretch but i think they're stealing these powers to then use heme allergy make these into spikes and rather than having to kill a whole bunch of people they're just stealing abilities that would be better for everybody all around, all around, right? If you didn't have to murder people mm. for their power. Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing is that Wax was then able to restock and, like, so his ability itself wasn't taken, but, like, his reserve was taken. So I don't know. I don't know if it would necessarily translate that way. Mm. Would it be a way to steal a rare metal off someone? So say someone had some adium that they hadn't burnt yet could you then take their adium away and then give it to someone else i I don't know i don't know whether it's going to be the ability or the the metal i guess like an energy kind of if they whatever they hadn't used have you taken enough of that ability like a a ferrochemist has to store the ability maybe you can store the energy that would have been expended by the metal something like that yeah that's kind of where i'm thinking that's my Hmm. prediction it does feel like the energy should have to go somewhere, right? Mm. Inter- I, yeah, okay. I like this. It, it, it would really change the course of things if we found a way to uh, hemolurgy without needing to murder people. Because that's that's the big uh, that's the big hurdle there is you don't want to most people at least don't want to have to murder yeah. a bunch of people. That's it. And if you're if you're wanting to create more alamances then killing alamances is probably not the way to do that that's true i I mean i i don't know that if we know if like somebody who has a power through hemallergy can pass it on or not because it uh, yeah i don't know Hmm. yeah food for thought yeah that's some some good uh, some good theorizing there i like it okay for next time we're doing three more chapters 11, 12, and 13. Uh, no new patrons or reviews this week, but we do have a couple of emails to read. So the first one is from Ben and says, Hello, Jamie. And then in parentheses, and the rest of the Sander Lanch crew. I guess, we know, <laughs> I guess we know who Ben's favorite is. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I really enjoy the show. I started through your back catalog right around when you began Elantris because I ran out of Cosmere to read and needed my fix, and your podcast was the most entertaining. I have a couple of questions. With you beginning book three of Era 2, 
It seems you'll finish up about when The Lost Metal comes out. Which book do you plan on doing next? Part of me wants you to go straight into The Lost Metal, but I can understand not wanting to so that Data can work through it and give him time to process slash grieve. Uh, yeah, you know, it's possible. Um, I'll stop there for a second. Uh, also, how would Jamie know what we're doing next? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. So the plan I, I is... I, I feel like... <laughs> Go ahead. I feel like it should have been Data and Sandalanch Crew. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got his favorite. You know, it happens. Um, so the, when the book comes out, I will read it first, and I will do little little clips of each chapter of me reacting to each chapter as I read them for the Patreon. And then once it's read, I will decide where it's most appropriate to go next. So, you know, we ha- we haven't had any, like, you know, any nothing we've read has had like huge crossover from some other thing in the Cosmere, right? Uh, you know, there's like Hoyd, and there's a couple of small things like that, but we've never had like you know main character from Elantris shows up in Mistborn somehow, even though it's hundreds of years later. But there's always the possibility that that could happen in a book since they're set in the same universe, and so if major character from Stormlight, which we haven't read, just decides to show up here then maybe that's not the book we want to read next. If it might spoil something that happens in Stormlight or, you know, what else have we not read yet? Warbreaker or uh, Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell, which is the coolest title of any of his uh, cool. short stories. What? We're, like, we're, we're reading a metal album? Yeah, right. Uh, so I, I, I have to read it before I can make any determination about where it's going to go. So that's that's the answer to that question. No, we don't know yet. No one knows yet. Uh, okay, so continuing Ben's email. It would make sense to go into Warbreaker or Shadows next before tackling the behemoth that is Stormlight, but I can imagine it being antsy for the other three starting other standalone slash new series with the conclusion for the one that they just read being out there, which, yeah, I can see that. Uh, the one good thing that uh, they've had going for them is that they haven't had to wait years for uh, the next book in a series yet. From, it's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, so. We haven't King Killed this yet. Yep. Yeah. So that that could well, happen here. <laughs> no, not King Killer, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, maybe it turns out that we can't read the Lost Metal until after the first two Stormlight books or something. So yeah, it could happen. I don't think it's likely, but you know, anything could happen. So they may end up uh, having gone three fourths of the way through a series and having to wait a while. And yeah, they probably won't love that. But you know, I I doubt you guys will have to wait as long as we have waited for that one. Hold on, when did when did the Bands of Mourning come out? And it's just funny to say because, you know, you don't have to wait too long for anything, Brandon, because he's always putting out new books. But this it has been a long time. since It was 2016, January of 2016. Bands of Mourning came out. So, yeah, oh, that's, yeah. So that's been, wow, okay. six been years, six years. Yeah. So I've waited six years six for this years. book. You guys will probably not have to wait six years, even if we read all of Stormlight first. So, <laughs> you know, well, we wouldn't be waiting six years. We'd just be reading for six years. Well, yeah, that's true, too. But yeah. So, you know. Worst case scenario, you might have to wait a bit, but not as long as uh, as everyone else <laughs> to get to finally finish up Era 2. Uh, back to his email. One of my favorite parts of the show is hearing your other interests outside of the novels, particularly hearing Joe talk about theater. As the theater nerd myself, I love listening to stories about other people's experience with them. I don't know what them is, if that's theater nerds or theaters or ex- uh, <laughs> experience with being in shows, I'm assuming. Uh, oh, yeah, we did. Uh, we did <clears throat> chat about that. I forgot exactly what we said, but yeah. 
Uh, I was a topic that came up. I was wondering what some of Joe's favorite roles that he's played slash shows that he's been a part of. I recently finished up playing Aldolfo in The Drowsy Chaperone, and that's certainly Mm. up there for me. So, yeah, Dak and Joe are both, uh, you know, have done some acting uh, things. So feel free, you guys, to respond. Acting talent. Um, I I would like to hear Dax first, actually. Dax, what what are your favorite roles? Well, I've I've only been in three shows so far that are actually like full on, like like show existing shows out in the world. So I did Legally Blonde, where I was just part of the ensemble, and Jersey Boys, where I was part of the ensemble, but I had a few more speaking bits. And now I'm in School of Rock, which I haven't been able to go to the last few rehearsals due to COVID. So that's been fun. I, I did a lot of theater through Scouts growing up. Uh, and then into my early adulthood years. And that was fun because I wrote a lot of sketches and stuff for him. So that was really cool to be able just to, like, I could contribute whatever the fuck I wanted. And as long as the whoever was directing that year was cool with it, I got in all this crazy shit. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's that's a whole, that's a whole thing. I know this has been kind of vague. But no, I just I just enjoy being on stage, being a part of it, and just belting out some, some, some of your favorite songs. It's always really good. I will say that since doing Jersey Boys, I've, I've got a very much bigger appreciation for Frankie Valley in the four seasons now. Nice. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, I like that you talked a little bit about your history with theater for me. I think I got into theater primarily because and data can attest to this. We went to a small school. Um, it was elementary, middle school and high school all in the same like campus basically. And uh, the middle school and the high school were pretty much connected into one, one like area. And I was I, I, I had a tough time as a young teen, and uh, I, I I don't make friends very easily. I have like one or two really really good friends, and then other than that, I don't I don't make friends super super easily. So I was going through some rough stuff, and um, one of the teachers uh, I took like theater as an elective just because I didn't you know I, I wanted to take something that was that I knew I wouldn't have to like try really hard at. And uh, one of the teachers noticed me and asked me if I could help with the high school uh, one-act play because they just didn't have enough people. Um, that's how small our school was. They didn't have enough people that were interested in the play. So she got like special permit. I was still in middle school. She got special permission to let me do it. And so the very first show I did was called – well, this wasn't a one-act actually. Uh, the very first show I did was called uh, – it was a Moliere farce called The Doctor in Spite of Himself. But we did it in uh, one act as opposed to like the full play, the full farce play. It's pretty fun. I, I like farces, so that was that was fun as my like as like my first experience doing that kind of stuff. And then the one act we did that year was Antigone. For whatever reason, that director always really liked tragedies for one acts, which I think was kind of a mistake. I feel like comedies do better in school competitions uh, than than tragedies do. So uh, that was that was fun. But I'd say my all time favorite role. I had never seen Spamalot, and then it came. A touring group came to our town and did Spamalot, and then the summer after they came, and and, and I loved it. It's my favorite musical. And then because I'm a huge Monty Python fan, um, at least the Holy Grail stuff. Some of the other stuff, not as much. Uh, but then uh, over the, that summer, a local production did Spamalot, and I got to play Lancelot and all of the characters that Lancelot plays, which was like my dream role in nice. Spamalot. So it was super fun. I learned to walk on stilts because I had to play the Knight of Knee, and he's really tall. So it was a lot of fun. Met a bunch of interesting people doing that kind of stuff. And um, as far as theater today, I don't do as much. I was recently in a play, but it was the first play I'd done in like, I don't know, nine years or something like that. 
and uh, I didn't have any speaking lines, which made it really easy because all I had to do was show up for rehearsal and be on stage. So, but based off of that, I they've now that was with our community theater, and they've now asked me to be on the board for it. So I'm gonna work with the community theater a lot more closely uh, yeah. in the coming months and fundraise and do all that kind of stuff. I I um I've always since since discovering in middle school, I've always liked theater, but I I kind of stepped away for a long time uh, from it. Because basically, when I, once I left college, I focused on you know getting getting what some may call a real job and other things like that. So, <laughs> so it's something that uh, you know I'd like to come back to, even if I don't directly act on stage. It might be fun to just be a part of it, um, help out, help fundraise, help make awareness in our in our small little community for it. So yeah, I I, I like the theater. Acting is fun. What about Jamie? Do you, have, you, have you done some acting? Yeah, actually. So I started uh, more on the dance side of things. So I started dance when I was four and I was pretty serious into it. Competitions, you know, four or five ballet classes a week, tap, jazz, the works, before school, after school, (laughs) all that sort of stuff up until kind of grade 11, 12. And then obviously focusing more on school to uh, also eventually get a real job. Uh, like Joe, but all through high school and even a bit after, I worked in a drama school as well. And we used to put on a show, well, in fact, three or four shows every six months um, with different age groups. And yeah, like a bit like Dak, we got to you know write all the original material, and um, I did the choreography for that side of things, and you know got really more involved in the the putting on of the shows rather than being in the shows, which was great. My first musical that I did was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and I was 11 when I did that which was a lot of fun um, and definitely cemented a love for the theatre side of it rather than just the dance side of it and I haven't really done a lot of stage stage shows the last one that I did was High School Musical oh gosh when was that 2007 which is probably the last time that I was on a stage but I ended up injuring my ankle pretty bad and had a reconstruction and then life gets in the way you're you're working you're studying and just haven't really been back so it's um it's definitely a goal one day to get back on stage if if we've got a local company here if they're uh, looking at still doing singing in the rain at some point in the coming years I definitely Ooh. would like to uh, audition for that get some get the tap shoes out again would be fun but um yeah just busy being a mum now really and working and you know you kind of put everything else on the back burner but hopefully one day we can uh, get back on stage it'll be fun I love singing in the rain yeah Gene Kelly is amazing I did a, I did a workshop one year that they taught us some of the choreography that Gene Kelly would have done and he's just or he was just so light and effortless in in what he did and the uh, ability to get so many beats and movements and looking so fluid, just just a tap dancing genius. Yeah, he the those guys really, all of those guys back then really were amazing. Like, um, yeah, you mm-hmm. had to be like a multi threat. Yes, type. you had to be able to sing, dance, act. You had to be able to do it all. Yep, yep. You I mean, just you don't still, need to do that now, do you? You still have some guys that uh, can do that. I mean, like uh, what's his name? Like Magic Mike guy. Is, uh, oh, uh, Channing Tatum? Yeah, Channing Tatum, uh, I've heard, oh, yeah. is like really strong da- with dance and yeah. uh, and and singing. 
Yeah, yeah um, I've heard uh, Ryan Gosling's well. also that way. Yeah, yeah, Hugh Jackman, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean Ryan Gosling, you, you saw that in uh, in uh, what you call it? La La Land. Yeah, La La Land. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I knew mean, it would come. Channing Tatum had a really big number in Hail Caesar, which was really funny. Oh yes, I love that number. Actually, it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, now I want to watch Hail Caesar and Singing in the Rain. Thanks. <laughs> That's a double bill for you. Yeah. Since everyone else went, uh, yeah, I've, I've been in one play ever, and that was, like Joe said, we went to such a small school that the, the teacher kind of strong-armed me into doing, like, a background character in the play, and I just remember it because it's, like, the longest name of any play that you've ever heard in your life. The play, I'm going to see if I can remember the whole title. The play is called The Persecution and Assassination of Jean-Paul Marat as performed by the inmates of the asylum at Carrington under the direction of the Marquis de Sade. That's the whole title. And uh, what a play it was. But anyway, so back to the end of Ben's email. He says, love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Hope Dak and Jamie are sleeping enough with the baby. Wasing to the time of next. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you, Ben. That one got a lot of discussion out of it. Okay. Uh, the next one is from Michael. Good afternoon, Sandra Lynch crew. I'm excited y'all have gotten to the bands of mourning. I really love Wax and Steris in this book and how they get some good relationship moments. Yeah, we've seen that. A question that I'm not going to read out loud. And this person says, uh, based on the reading schedule, are you guys going to roll right into the Lost Metal? And will this be the first time the whole gang goes in blind? Uh, Well, we already discussed whether we're going to read it right after the Lost Metal. And I think I've also answered the question about whether we're going in blind. Yeah, I will not be going in blind. And, you know, I had to. I had to really have a long conversation with myself about even slowing down enough that I could record things after every chapter instead of just burning through the book like I usually do. So, uh, you know, I'm 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 not I'm not built for it. I couldn't do it the way that uh, I make these guys do it. Yeah. Uh, so what he's saying is we're better than him. <laughs> yep. They're better. I uh, can't wait to see reactions as the book goes along. Touching on the character development you guys brought up last week, this would be several weeks ago for us, but I think Tavi from Codex Alera has one of the best character arcs written and that that series doesn't get enough attention. Keep up the good work, wasn't to the time of next. Ah, Tavi. Yeah, I've been trying to get into Codex Alera, but it's hard for me. I like it. I mean, he kind of throws you in the deep end with the magic system, and the first book is not the best book, but I like mm-hmm. it. I, I like it. I, I don't think it's the greatest series ever. It's definitely not Jim Butcher's best, but it's it's fun. I can see Tavi definitely has a big, long character arc. He changes a lot from the beginning to the end, although kind of at heart, he's still the same guy. So, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know that I'd agree that it's, you know, one of the best ever, but uh, because kind of like Dak saying, I don't think it's Jim's best work, especially not the first book or two. I think it gets a lot better. I think it gets really good in the middle and then like the last book or so. I don't like as much either, but uh, I always thought books two and three were the best. I think three and four are my favorites out of the six. So I'm just thinking about it now. Uh, but you can definitely see Jim's evolution over the course of the Dresden Files. And he started writing that like partway into the Dresden Files. So it was like as he's starting to get better, but he's gotten even better since then, which I liked the first of his Aeronauts Windless. Uh, the Yeah, I what, thought that was cool. The Cinder Spires series. That's what that one's going to be called. And he's supposed to be working on the second one of those now. So I'm I'm real interested to see how that goes. So, yeah, we have one more email from Sasha, but Sasha, I'm going to go ahead and save yours for the next one that we record because we dedicated a whole lot to to Ben's thing because we just love talking about the acting so much. It was a lot of fun. We learned some stuff about everybody. I liked it. 
so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hit yours next time, Sasha. It's kind of funny because Sasha sent this. It's a pretty lengthy email. And then she sent another email the next day that was like, I was really tired last night when I wrote that. Does that <laughs> actually make sense? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I can tell you were kind of tired, but no, I got it. I, I, I got what you were going for, so it's all good. Was it a Picard thing? It's like I just kept rambling from one topic to another with no break in it. Or yeah, one incredibly, incredibly unbroken, unbroken sentence moving, <laughs> right, from, yeah. topic moving to from topic to topic. To topic. <laughs> quite hypnotic. So that no one had a chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. Yep. Oh, Picard. Good guy, Picard. Uh, so we will go ahead and... Remember, three chapters for next time. 11, 12, and 13 is what we're reading there. Let me put that in our chat before I forget. No, I typed 142. That's not right. <laughs> Just finish the book. Let's go. Yeah. Jump to chapter 142 and then come back to 13. There's not 142. That's uh, I don't know if even Stormlight books have that many chapters. Now, now I'm curious. Hold on. We're going to find out. Uh, let's go to the first Stormlight book. How many chapters do you have? Do this it has... Later. 75 chapters in an epilogue. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Music by Miracle Sound, in case I didn't say that. In yeah, there, there you go. And was to the time of next. Colo. Shovel harder cause we're on your tail London's bloody fire